1: When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind Around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the Post Wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA Now on It is Monday night, November the twentieth. I am John Pollock, joined by Wayton. What's that look on your face? What are What are you thinking?
0: I mean, this is going to be a bit of a sickly edition of Rewind to Raw. If people can't already tell from both of the sounds of both of our voices, what's happened to you? Uh, I just have a bit of a cold myself. Whole family sick. You know, oh the, no, the doctors today. Yeah, Man. Oscar had a bit of a fever, so I'm sorry, we're all sick. Ah, it's okay. I'm not the only one.
1: Yes, I have uh, I'm on a round two of COVID and it's uh, dude, it is kicking my ass. I am. It's just been the worst. It's been a terrible three days so far and it's just not gotten better. But uh, here we are to talk about,
0: I mean, really the perfect time to be quarantined from the rest of your family when your basement is completely torn up, isn't it?
1: That was uh, about thirty seconds after my positive test. I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna have to sleep in the basement." And then it clicked. I was like, "Oh yeah, we we don't have a basement anymore." Yeah. So it's uh, I'm uh, i I'm basically like an inmate. That's just uh. Yeah sleeping on this decrepit couch it's anyway there there could be worse things but uh i'm I'm sorry that you're sick as well though i mean that's uh yeah
0: i mean at least i don't have to you know live on a concrete you know in a moist uh underrated way rather have a solid ground on on you yeah yeah well um if you don't like um nasally voices you can turn this podcast off right now i don't blame you but um we are here nonetheless to talk about three hours of raw
1: well, t- t- combined we are here for you everybody we have <laughs> lots to get into um i have major news off the top huge news
0: okay are you sure you don't want you want to reveal this now you don't want to you know set, set up for the top of the hour send out an announcement
1: i was thinking of putting up a graphic john pollock has a major announcement i think it's only fair that you know sometimes i will complain about things that have gone awry in my in my life but when things turn around and the good comes out. I feel I have to give give praise when it's due. In the clutch, coming through, Monday morning, New Japan World. I get a what? contact message. We are sorry for the delay. Your email has been now updated to this correct address. Log in, no problem. Dude, New Japan World, they're on my good side this week. I mean, they they really came through
0: amazing happy to hear the saga kind of no like,
1: problems you know, to deal with i just i sent in my thing hey i need to change my email i did get a response we are inundated with requests and then today fixed okay i can't ask for anything more all
0: you had to do was wait positive review just had to wait so there all you right. go i think it's only fair but uh japan okay. world uh thank you for for the answer. <laughs> I, I guess i'm glad we didn't build that up no <laughs> I thought,
1: I thought you'd be, you'd be very happy to know
0: this. I mean, uh, no, I'm very happy for you. Yeah, I am. Wait, you're going to be talking
1: about music on Tuesday.
0: That's right. Yeah, we are back. Me, Jordan Goodman, Neil Flanagan for The Wellness Policy tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern Time at YouTube.com slash post wrestling. We've already done a music episode like at this point, probably two years ago with Dan, Dan, the mouth of Ransky. This is uh, one. I mean, it's a it's a topic so big. We really need a part two as we maybe dive a d- bit deeper into sort of like our tastes and really um, I don't know what music does for us. Maybe our own experiences performing as well. So tune in. 3 p.m. Eastern time, youtube.com slash post wrestling. And then afterwards on the post wrestling cafe feed for free.
1: Yes. And uh, and Davey have up next on Tuesday night. And if you are in the Toronto area and want to make it out to their survivor series, watch party, it's going down this Saturday night at Gabby's on King street, and you can get in and what better way to watch war games than with Braden Davey and many of your up next friends uh, slash poison Rana
0: pals. There is no better way on this planet, okay, to enjoy a professional wrestling pay-per-view than with Braden Davey. That is the optimal experience that this art form was created for.
1: Yes, um, this was this is quite the way to take in a pay-per-view. So it should be a lot of fun uh, happening at Gabby's downtown Toronto on King street. Uh, Go check it out this Saturday night. And also on Wednesday, a new Pollock and Thurston uh, returning to the show will be Nick Hausman from the house of wrestling. Uh, We'll be talking to him as uh, wrestling is congregating in Chicago this week between dynamite on Wednesday night. And then we've got SmackDown and survivor series all happening in Chicago this week. So we will be chatting with Nick about that and, the latest projects he has coming up and uh final plug is for ask away. Our monthly mailbag show is coming out Thursday and you can still get your questions in at forum.postwrestling.com. You have until Thursday morning to submit this month's questions. Any topics are welcome, or you can send us an audio question for free at memo.fm slash post wrestling. And we will answer it on the show, but that's coming out Thursday for all members at the post wrestling cafe. And of course this weekend we will have survivor series coverage minutes
0: after the pay-per-view and just a quick plug for those of you who are already signed on we have the latest edition of mcu later with rich fan wh park and andre greenidge who is uh, at this point um i would say um mm, so this is uh the man who co-owns the actress who plays miss marvel's um favorite comic book store and probably the place where like So anyway, he's basically kind of like been intimately like, you know, tied to her experience of becoming a Marvel fan. So he's seen this growth like first person and it got to the point where she now has the ability to um, she was offered the ability to write for the Miss Marvel comic book and she included him. Into the comic. Oh my gosh! Wrote him into the comic, and so the 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 artist drew him into to to a Miss Marvel comic, which is really amazing. So they they just delivered a a really excellent discussion about just everything to do with this movie that's come out and some of the controversy, if you want to call it, the low box office performance and the state of the MCU. So highly, uh, encourage everybody to go check that out in the post wrestling cafe right now.
1: Yes, and when you are quarantining. You have a lot of time on your hands, and uh, I am three hours deep into the NWA podcast. So that has wow. been my uh, my companion uh, throughout the uh, throughout the day. But man, the uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed the sparks flying over WrestleMania Night One versus Night Two, man, there was a there was an aftershock on on this show as well. I mean, Chris always in fine form, and uh, uh, the the others just uh, a, a great a great crew on uh, on this particular month's uh, edition.
0: They had their own major announcement, didn't they? They, they did. I have no idea what it is because I, I haven't got there yet. But They, they have did, a show
1: announcement. But you got to listen to the show to hear about it. They did the, promise uh, the, the a show announcement. announcement. Yeah, yes. it looks like uh, 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 Ray's getting the, uh, the full-time treatment. So, uh, you spoiled you can, it. No, no uh, you don't right, know right, what everybody. show. You don't know what kind of show he's doing. 10-Day Ray doing getting what.
0: his own. Yeah,
1: this okay, is yeah, a, all right. 365, perfect. 24-7 Ray, uh, who's, who's a great addition on, on the show. So uh, check that out. And... We will now get into some of the news that is happening. Uh, the big one, we're going to start with an MMA story because finally, after months of speculation and reports, the PFL has now acquired Bellator. This comes just days after Bellator 301, which will be the last event under at least the Bellator that we had known. The The brand will continue under PFL. It's an all stock deal, so there was no uh, cash uh, swapped in, in this uh, purchase. Um... But the plan is to continue Bellator under the banner of the Bellator International Champions Series that will see eight Bellator shows next year in addition to the PFL's seasonal tournaments and pay-per-views. PFL is going to do two pay-per-views next year, and they're planning to do a PFL versus Bellator Champions card, and they're aiming to do that in the first quarter of next year. And they're offering... Essentially, there's about 210 Bellator fighters, and obviously they're not going to be able to retain all of them, but they're going to give them the option that you can come, you can join our tournament where you have to fight multiple times a year, or you can do our super fight series, which is just one-off fights. Um, and this was an astounding stat. Like Bellator is, it's, we know it's not the UFC, but in terms of the infrastructure, do you know how many full-time employees worked at Bellator?
0: uh i'm just trying to gauge by the tone of your voice what what the answer could be
1: well i'm not going to say 300 okay that's that's your clue 15 21 21 (laughs) people worked at bellator and they're all being offered roles in the new pfl including scott coker we will see if any of them uh take take up uh don davis who is the chairman of the pfl up on his offer um but the hope is they are going to be able to get a domestic and international TV rights deal for Bellator. We will see if they can acquire that. And with PFL, they are wrapping up their contract with ESPN. And in about three weeks time, they're going to be announcing a new PFL TV deal, which sounds like it's completed. Um, So it does sound very complex. Like PFL is trying to do so many different things from like a challenger series. They're trying to launch like PFL Africa. They want to do pay-per-views. They actually have a pay-per-view this Friday that um, it's the, it's six of their tournament finals, plus the return of Kayla Harrison. But as we saw like the PFL did one pay-per-view last year and it bombed. And I think it's going to be exactly the same uh, this Friday with this pay-per-view, but what they do have in their back pocket for this super fight series is eventually Francis Ngannou fighting for them and Jake Paul when he makes his MMA debut. So those are, I would say the names that they have, not even to say that they're going to be gigantic pay-per-view stars in their own right. Uh, As we've seen, it's been extremely difficult for non-UFC MMA companies to draw on pay-per-view. And I guess time will tell. And Don Davis, he was on the MMA Hour today and basically said that we don't know if this is the right way to go with Bellator. We're going to find out. It's very difficult to manage two brands, especially when the PFL, yes, it has gained some traction. But I would like these are still money losing entities in both of them and this is going to be a lot more cost that you're taking on with all of these new fighters more shows i don't think pay-per-view is going to be this massive revenue generator unless they come across a huge fight that they can promote i just don't think they're a pay-per-view level company and we will see like an idea of a pfl versus bellator card that that sounds attractive, but we've got to remember they're very limited audience that are watching these brands of MMA. It is such a bigger step down that or just I would say a distance between the industry leader and the number two and number three MMA companies in the US versus pro wrestling where I think there's much more of a bridge even as far away as WWE is uh, revenue wise but it's a big business story today and Paramount will hold on to a small stake in Bellator. So they're not completely divested of Bellator. So those were um, a bunch of announcements that they had to make today. But this was largely, it was expected. But the talks went all the way back to January. And uh, Davis just classified them as very slow negotiations. And they only closed this deal on Saturday. So that is uh, the PFL Bellator update. So when you tune into the pay-per-view way, you will be all up to date on what's going on with a uh, the PFL.
0: Do do you think this is a good decision versus just simply merging and choosing one over the other or maybe starting fresh?
1: I mean, I I really downplay the the like yes, on on the surface you look at Bellator. Here is a company that's been around for like 14 years and you would say, well, wow, there's there's tons of brand equity in that time frame. Be like how valuable is Bellator? Like how synonymous is it with MMA? Like Bellator, I, I I think the value of that brand is is greatly overhyped.
0: But is and, it more or less than the PFL?
1: Um, I would say it's similar. I would say neither is um a dominant like brand identifier in 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 the overall sports space. Like certainly MMA fans are are aware of these. Time will tell if they can land a domestic rights deal for Bellator. Great, but dude, Bellator was doing some like abysmally low numbers on Showtime and we're talking about you know just the crunch on all of these live sports rights and is a Bellator going to be that attractive when you're talking a fraction of the audience that an AEW commands um I just don't know if there's going to be all that interest and Paramount found After all of these years with Bellator, like they did not see a viable way to profitability. They're getting out of the MMA business altogether. So like they did not see that, that kind of value uh, in, in Bellator nor boxing. So will PFL have the magic wand that can uh, turn this around? It, it would be, it's very different from the UFC purchasing WEC or strike force where the UFC was already a juggernaut and they were absorbing these companies PFL has not even established itself yet as profitable. Like they just got a huge injection of capital from Saudi Arabia of a hundred million dollars. So that certainly is a big boost and there could be more where that comes from. The big asset that PFL has, they have done a remarkable job of finding venture capitalists to put money into this thing. They have raised so much money every year. They, every one of these six tournaments, the winner gets a million dollars and they've been doing this for years, uh, paying out. You know six million dollars to these tournament winners every single year you have several millionaires that have come out of these tournaments like a lance palmer that i mean not too many people would know off the top of their head he won two of these tournaments and he's just kind of you know coasted off he's like I'm, i made my money i can i can move on here so they have been able to raise a ton of capital but they're still in the stages of trying to differentiate themselves and, and a big key will be what this next tv deal is because either it's a renewal with espn or it's going elsewhere and Like, I I don't know if you're moving upward if you're leaving uh, an ESPN, but that remains to be seen with whatever the the TV deal is and if they're being paid for it uh, as well. Will Ospreay to AEW. We spoke about this on Saturday, but I did get to hear his uh, portion of the press conference on Saturday night. And basically, he spoke about this was as much about, you know, taking this step in his career while also being able to stay in England uh, with his with his girlfriend, uh, with his stepson, not having to uproot them and move them to the U.S., which would have basically he would have had to if he was going to WWE, and it it really does come through that he does not want to divorce himself from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and um, yeah, it's to me, I would say like that is a big a big negotiation point that aew has is that they can be this level of flexible i'm sure it's incredible money that he is signing for and i mean it will be somewhat cumbersome that you know he's i wouldn't imagine he's there every single wednesday or saturday but there for a lot of them and that's that's a hell of a commute when you're going across time zones for um even even if it's several times a month but i mean he's I mean, that's sort of been the last decade of his life is just living on
0: airplanes. I was going to say maybe a little bit easier than you know the trip to, to, to Japan, but um, I, I I think this at least um will maybe call into question um his activity for AEW. I mean, maybe the closest comparison point we have is Pack, who you know similarly I believe lives in the UK, and I don't know the last time we saw that guy. Um, I have a feeling yeah, it's been these- a
1: combination of injuries, but also visa issues. Like he's had tons of hiccups, and right, he's. He's been, he's disappeared for a long time.
0: But I have to imagine, like a signing that that I think is as uh, maybe you know um, heavily discussed and, and heavily hyped as a Will Osprey will be relied upon a lot more. Um, so I think you can expect him pretty frequently, at least on pay per views, if not um, maybe get away, getting away with as many pre tapes as he can, so that you know he can have a constant presence throughout the shows and build up to those pay per view matches. Um, but I I think it's a it's a decision that makes all the sense in the world. You know, clearly the man is incredibly loyal to New Japan Pro Wrestling, but you know he grew, he's grown he's kind of thrown out of you know what everything he could achieve over there but still wants to you know not completely divorce himself from it uh the the but it's the living situation and maybe the attachment to, to family and i think he mentioned his girlfriend being able to see her parents and everything that that makes all the sense in the world
1: yeah yeah and i think there's a silver lining too i like he is someone that has found his um his appeal to so many different companies as like this big match performer that I think it benefits AEW and Osprey that he's not wrestling every single week on TV. That his matches should be a big deal. You you want to balance. I don't suggest a just pay per view schedule, but like his matches should mean make them feel as special for as long as you can. And and if that means you know you build up to a big TV match, well, it means that much more rather than you know he's announced that afternoon he's taking on x y and z
0: do you think um there's any more activity from him on within companies outside of new japan and AEW?
1: my gut would say that it's going to be greatly reduced i could i could see him This gives him the option that you know rev pro has an anniversary show that mm-hmm. he goes and, and does i would think he's going to be more selective with what he does um right. this is someone that i mean this guy has a an unbelievable drive to produce these matches. There's such a high expectation level that I think you do want to make sure that you are um, dedicating all of that to your 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 main employer. And I would say, like I I think he's done with G ones. I I can't fathom the idea of. Uh, aw allowing him to do a G1 especially when you're gonna want him on TV to build up all in next year he is going to be the focal point of Wembley Stadium so I think the days of will Osprey and the G1 are done which is a big hit to that tournament um but yeah I I think overall given that he is 30 I might have a different opinion if he was 35 um but at 30 I I think this is a great move for him and I Really, he did not have an a bad option here. I mean, mm-hmm. he could have gone to WWE and it doesn't work out, but he still would have made a ton of money and been seen by a lot of people. And then you know what? When that contract's up, you're still in your mid thirties, if that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Totally.
1: So Chris Hero made his return on a Friday night at the West Coast Pro Show, uh, defeating Timothy Thatcher with a Fujiwara armbar, which was a a reversal of a previous loss to Timothy Thatcher. It was the same uh, transition and submission. And then after the match, he takes off his boots and this crowd. They are so sad because they have waited three and a half years for his return and he's getting all choked up and then he gets on the mic and says, just kidding. And announces he's teaming with Kenta against Titus Alexander and Kevin Blackwood in two weeks on December the 3rd. And uh, in today's audio news update, I chatted with uh, Rob Bahari, was in attendance at the West Coast Pro Show. And uh, we're just going to play a clip of that where he talks about uh, Hero's return and the decision that he made to make his return on an independent show rather than a, a larger platform that he would have had offers for.
2: He is very committed to West Coast Pro. That's one of the things. He, if you've noticed, like he not only works there as a producer. Now, of course, he's in the ring. He he is very hands on with the product, and even when there's a conflict, West Coast Pro is his number one priority. So for now, I see West Coast, him sticking with it. Uh, we've got the tag match coming up. Like I said, I presume there will be more in 2024. He hasn't outright told me, but it stands to reason. As far as other things, I don't know. He hasn't indicated it, but I believe that if it will help bring some attention to West Coast Pro, I could see him going to other places. But this seems to be his priority here right now. And, of course, I'm sure people would love to see him in Ring of Honor uh, competing anywhere where he could have a higher impact. But if he wanted to do that, I think he would have done that. I think this is all about bringing, shining a light on West Coast Pro, which is nice. It's It's good to see someone giving back.
1: That was Rob Bahari and uh, that whole chat I did with him is in today's audio news update, which I made available for all members of the cafe because he also attended full gear the next night and uh, had a lot of notes about being in the crowd uh, for, for that show as well. Over to Japan, the World Tag League kicked off on Monday, and it featured uh, Shota Umino and Ren Narita beating Great O'Kan and Hanare in the main event. Also winning on the, the first night was uh, Kaito Kiyomiya and Ryohei Oiwa, who won by countout against Gabe Kidd and Alex Coglin. Evil and Yujiro beat Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano, and Shane Hayes and Mikey Nichols beating the Gates of Agony. Uh, but on the undercard, Suji introduced his partner, and it's Zendoken Jr. from CMLL, who... Uh, Uh, suji had been teasing this by instead of labeling him x he had labeled his mystery partner as zed so this was the the reveal and uh someone that comes in with a with a lot of promise and um a very young performer and probably not known to too many people but obviously very high on uh in terms of potential that he's getting such a spotlight in the world tag league. And then also on the card was the debut of a uh, Shoma Kato, who was 20 years old and was on Kazuchika Okada's reality show, uh, losing to Oscar Loibe in the opener and the tournament continues on Tuesday uh, with the first set of B block matches as well. Stardom. Um, a bunch of announcements today at a press conference. First of all, um, there's an individual by the name of Taro Okada, who is now taking over as the president of Bushi Road Fight Inc. as of December the 1st. So that's probably uh, a name to, uh, to focus on in the future. He will be one of the key decision makers. Um, Okada taking over Bushi Road Fight Inc. So there you have it. Um but they have been stardom essentially since the summer and the 5 Star Grand Prix they have been riddled with injuries and we got several title vacancies announced today including Tem Nakano uh, giving up the world of stardom title she's been out since October and the way they're going to do this is that Suzu Suzuki who won the 5 Star Grand Prix she will challenge the winner of a four woman tournament that's going to happen on November 28th with a Ami Sorai against Micah and Momo Watanabe against Mina Shirakawa. And they will meet uh, Suzu Suzuki, providing she defends her title shot on the same card. Uh, They will meet December 29th at Dream Queendom to determine the new World of Stardom champion. And then the Goddesses of Stardom tag titles were vacated due to Natsupoi's injury. And that's going to be decided on December 2nd at the Nagoya Big Winter Show with Micah and Megan Bain against, to be announced, so mm-hmm. maybe all the teams will just show up in front of Rossi Ogawa and he'll just make a fatal four way with all of these teams and just snap his fingers, because that's how we book a tag division when we don't have title challenges. I
0: mean, you know, it could be taking place backstage right now. We will, we, we won't know. But, and
1: some good news they had is that, uh, Utami Hayishta, and Sayaka Matani are coming back on the November 28th card, which will have that, that one night tournament ratings notes. So here is it in a nutshell, WWE did very well. and, AEW got slaughtered on Friday night. SmackDown did 2,206,000 viewers and a 0.62 in the demo. So they were up going against head-to-head competition uh, in AEW. Uh, across th- th- this was very interesting. Both Collision and SmackDown were up in female viewership, which is impressive for Collision because we're comparing it to last Saturday's numbers on the unfamiliar night. That Collision was up in all the female demos. Uh, collision, though... Uh, 270,000 viewers and a 0.08 obviously the lowest in the show's history and uh it, i mean we kind of knew this going in that this was going to be a really rough outing for collision uh, but rampage as well 280,000 viewers and a 0.09 in its normal time slot this was its lowest audience ever and a big loss 35% in 18 to 34 so the I don't know if it was just burnout on wrestling, but Rampage also um, impacted on,
0: on Friday. The night before pay-per-view too.
1: That's right. Like, I, it, it was a lot of AEW. If you are just a big AEW fan, you're not even watching WWE. That's a lot of hours to watch in a uh, two-day period.
0: But would you, like, have, have um, Rampages or Collisions t- traditionally received any sort of spike before pay-per-view night?
1: Not, not Could- measurably, but I do think there was... I feel that I would have looked at it as like collision. I thought was going to get slaughtered against SmackDown and Rampage. I I can't be too stunned by this. Like this is, it is the lowest ever, but it's, it's still as though like this is still in the range of what Rampage is doing. It was just not a great night for them. And I had not even seen this until looking at the schedule today, this week Rampage due to the NHL is getting moved to Saturday. So Rampage is airing seven till eight and collision eight till 10 so we could get all new loads for Rampage and Collision uh, up against Survivor Series. I mean, Rampage will air an hour before Survivor Series, but Collision is going to be destroyed against Survivor Series. Hmm. Right. And, uh, and that, is, that is it. We are going to get the AEW selection special. All the participants for the Continental Classic will be announced on Wednesday um, during a, an online announcement by Tony Chimani and Tony Khan. Will will we get Brian Danielson in a match this week? That's the question.
0: I, I have I have to expect that we'll know beforehand. So maybe soon.
1: All right. All of your news can be found postwrestling.com. And again, uh, to get multiple audio news updates each week, you can join the double double and espresso levels at postwrestlingcafe.com.
0: This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerdwallet's smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Shyster. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you well, thank you.
1: We transition over to the Van Andel Arena in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Drew McIntyre starting the show, and he's very upset about the reaction everyone has had to his alliance with Rhea Ripley last week. I've been the same guy this whole time, and if you turned on me, well, that's on you. I don't give a damn about you. My real fans understand says, Jay never apologized to anyone that he screwed over with the bloodline. You cost me the biggest night of my life and a moment for my family, for all I've sacrificed throughout my career. To celebrate that night, you took it away from me. He has not joined the Judgment Day, but instead he he aligned with Rhea because she was able to ensure that he could get into a cage with Jay Uso, and therefore he is teaming with the Judgment Day at War Games. This prompts Jay to come out and says that Drew is going to catch a yeet down. And Judgment Day, come and back up Drew when Rollins enters, followed by Zane and Cody Rhodes, and Adam Pierce says no one is fighting, and if anyone throws a punch, they will give up the advantage. And then we won't have a main event. What are we going to do for the last 25 minutes of the show? So the team, uh, Rollins' team, needs to pick a fifth member, and by 9 p.m. tonight, you have to decide who will represent each team in the advantage match, or else Adam Pierce will pick by 9 yeah. p.m.
0: I guess a way to tell you hey by 9 p.m. you'll find out the main event of tonight's show. Yes.
1: Uh, don't I, don't go to don't go turn on the Chiefs game. Stay here. 9 p.m. Right. you're going to find out the advantage match.
0: You know, I I think throughout this entire feud, and especially tonight when it was probably the most important promo of his entire program, I thought Drew has been fantastic throughout it all. I think this has been one of the most well-balanced, believable, and well-done heel turns in recent memory. He continues to give really great logic for why he's joined up with the heel stable, you know. Um, He hates... The judgment Day, but he despises Jay Uso, so he's willing to do this just to get into war games with him. And I think it's, you know, really strong material, and it's it's even better delivery from the performer himself. So really strong work from him.
1: It does really seem the uh, the issues with Jay. He seems to like the the rest of the bloodline has not caught any of this uh, from from Drew McIntyre. It seems uh, the others have been forgiven. I mean, that's that's
0: next, right? You know, he can't go on SmackDown. What do you think this is? You know, there are battle lines here.
1: I don't th- those battle lines were very blurry on this show
0: mm, with a, with special consideration
1: with the GM just hanging out backstage judgment day are in their clubhouse and Priest tells Rhea it was good business to add Drew to the team but this should have been a team decision and Priest wants to be in the advantage match Rhea says we'll decide when Drew arrives Nia Jax against Raquel Rodriguez uh naya worked on the back of raquel and uh raquel came out of the corner with a rana lands a big boot and then the spinning elbow off the turnbuckle and then tries to lift naya but her back gives out is hit with a senton and naya goes for the annihilator but gets stopped and naya tries to carry her into a powerbomb and her back gives out this was the most realistic uh i cannot hold this person up in my back gives out spot as she fell down and was hit with the Annihilator. Nia wins in nine minutes, one second.
0: There was one moment where they were teasing it, and, I mean, like, Raquel's legs, they looked like she was landing really awkwardly, but obviously she was fine and carried out throughout the match. But maybe as a result of, of that looking so real, like, I really got into this match. I thought these two did really well together in teasing whether or not Raquel could actually lift Nia Jax. Um, is Nia Jax a... Even good wrestler, the answer is no. I saw no sort of form of improvement really from um, her last run up until now in a match like this, but she's big and she elicits a big reaction. So I thought they told a really simple and effective underdog story for Raquel here, and um, this I felt was some of the biggest reactions that Raquel has received in a a main roster match, and I think some of it comes down to the fact that as a babyface, her personality and character are super smiley and very likable. But as somebody who's so much bigger than the rest of the roster, I don't know if she can ever feel like a great great underdog against anybody else. Except here in Nia Jax, where she truly looked like she was having trouble working her ass off trying to lift this person so that she could slam her. And I think they did a great job teasing it. Now, um, they had Nia beat her it can make pave pave way for a future rematch between the two. Um, but I also think they wanted to build Naya up for Becky for Becky. Yeah. That's my um, expectation. Yeah. I mean, after the interaction last week or two weeks ago.
1: Yeah. I think you can, you can definitely do that match. And I think eventually Rhea as well. This is a very definitive win for, for Naya. back to the judgment day. Drew shows up and he wants to be in the advantage match. And, Him and Priest uh, share the fact that they both despise each other. Priest doesn't like Drew. They argue over, you take it easy. No, I tell you to take it easy. And then Priest lets him take the match. This is some uh, award-winning dialogue here in between. Uh, Take it easy. No, I tell you to take it easy. Rollins is with his team. And uh, Jay, uh, Jay wants to be in the advantage match. Rollins agrees. And Cody says he spoke to Nick Aldis. The SmackDown guys are not off limits. And Cody says, I have a friend that I can call. Yes. Doesn't mm-hmm. share it with his team. And essentially they all go off to go find a fifth man is how we mm-hmm. leave things. So more to yeah. come later.
0: I mean, it was sort of like the reverse of, or or at least um, the men's version of what you saw on Friday with every member member trying to recruit somebody else.
1: So the men are going to have a main event spot on this show to determine who has the advantage. The women uh, we'll have a fan vote brought to you by a potato chip company to determine who gets the advantage.
0: Well, listen. Um, Hey, uh,
1: it, it, could, could Drew and Jey Uso put aside their, their grievances <laughs>
0: to uh, go to uh, uh, the potato chip fan vote? I guess on the one hand, so when is this vote, did they say? Um, I guess it's this week. Maybe they, for one thing, wanted to have the um, – announcement before friday on the other hand okay they wanted to make money off of anything they're trying to put a logo on any possible thing they can sell these days and i suppose an advantage match is one of those
1: becky lynch versus xia lee they showed lyra valkyria in the audience uh to tee up a uh, tuesday night's uh, match uh which is a tape show by the way they taped NXT last week uh they fight on the floor a lot of intensity between these two uh Becky gets uh, Zaya's makeup all over her. So it looks like she's either been like the half of her face has been bruised or took like a fireball. And there's an arm bar by Becky, but Zaya gets on top for the cover. And the manhandle slam gets countered with an arm drag and lands the spinning wheel kick, sending Becky to the floor. And then Zaya gets uh, posted and Becky ducks another spin kick, hitting the manhandle slam to pin Zaya in 12 minutes and 40 seconds.
0: Oh, crowd really got into this one, too. You know, Um, very good reactions throughout. And I think the investment that they put into that spin kick through those knockout finishes paid off here. You know, they they let Xia hit it, but had Becky escaping to the floor, which ended up costing Zaya. So they did protect the finish. Uh, Becky did not beat her, uh, did not kick out of it, I should say. And overall, I think Xia's done really well throughout this entire program with Becky, you know, hung in there with the Becky Lynch bench, elicited a pretty big reaction here from this crowd. So, and a great match from Becky, you know, she, I would say is not maybe the, the, the level of athlete of a Charlotte or maybe as fluid in ring as Sasha, but she puts together some great matches and always gets very good reactions. And she's really helped put a great spotlight on a lot of people in this division through her NXT title run up until now.
1: And then damage control entered through the crowd but they're jumped by Charlotte, Shotzi, and Bianca, who I guess had intel knowing where they're where they were showing up tonight in the arena because they jumped them right away. Security runs down uh, to separate the women, and uh, this is a great, um, great device to send you to uh, to buy your potato chips and
0: and vote. They should have really like hit each other with bags of chips. I think, yeah. a sp- like, sh- should that be a spot in the war games? So- it, it it should have been the the sponsor
1: back when uh, you know. Uh, the Horseman and JJ Dillon had to go in, in into the Omni uh, for for war games. You had to go. You yeah. had to go buy potato chips first.
0: Hey man, if they got those offers, I'm willing to bet Dusty would have uh, listened. Flair doing Flair and Dusty
1: doing promos over like uh, <laughs> the brand all dressed or sour
0: cream and onion.
1: Baby, I'm all dressed to the nines. <laughs> Ludwig Kaiser mm-hmm. and Giovanni Vinci are backstage. Kaiser says nothing is all right. And he doesn't appreciate Vinci trying to get on Gunther's good side last week. Vinci says, I'm just doing what's good for Imperium. And Kaiser basically tells Vinci to stay in the back tonight for his match. And what I say goes. So Johnny Gargano takes on Ludwig Kaiser and, uh, Gargano goes for a suicide dive, but is met with a strike. European uppercut on the floor. We go through the break, and Gargano hits a slingshot spear and then a twisting flatliner off the turnbuckle. Kaiser comes back with a discus lariat and catches Gargano with a gut-wrench slam, and a rolling Death Valley driver follows with the PK. When Vinci comes down to the ring and distracts Kaiser who argues with him and Gargano capitalizes hitting one final beat to pin Kaiser in 10 minutes and 55 seconds Kaiser is pissed and Vinci doesn't seem to be too bothered by this loss for Kaiser. Mm -hmm.
0: Very good match I thought both men um, looked great here Kaiser especially I think a distraction finish here is about as sort of like cliched as it gets Um, but for TV with the it's a bigger story to tell. I guess I'm not as upset about it. So, you know, Gargano definitely got the win here. And I'm glad to see DIY actually get a win. But they're definitely background players in this whole thing. The They really literally
1: was- were later. They were background team number four.
0: Yeah. Like, the story here is between Kaiser and Vinci. And, I mean, Gargano and Ciampa just happened to be there.
1: Earlier today, Kelsey Green and Piper Niven are with Adam Pierce when Natalia and Tegan walk in and announce, we want a title shot. Then Katana Chance and Caden Carter walk into the shot. They want a shot. Then Candace Lorraine and Indy Hartwell come in, followed by Maxine and Ivy Nile. Pierce says everyone gets a chance. He makes a fatal four way for tonight, and the winner gets a tag title shot. So this was our updated
0: uh rankings. It almost felt like they were purposely like making fun of how
1: stupid this is.
0: Yeah, like how how meaningless these tag titles are and how like you don't have to do anything to earn an opportunity at them i mean they made mention of um what what is it here um tegan and Nat- natalia not even having teamed together once before same uh, with
1: maxine and ivy
0: well they just literally walked in here and didn't even know what they were walking into when they were granted a title shot so yeah
1: Basler and stark are in the judgment days clubhouse and rhea and dom catch them and stark reminds rhea she's focused on everything else except the title and it's coming to her ria says she's getting her beating at survivor series what a clubhouse is do you think they do dark tournaments
0: um yeah maybe and then shana might you know uh i don't know offer us a blackjack with her deck of cards
1: this looks like the set where doc Hendricks used to do his
0: slam jams <laughs> uh do they so like um we, we guess... got a random tool shed in the back there like, yeah, like, this is a clubhouse, I suppose, on wheels, right? It's, it's you know, they do travel, so they need these crates. This is the Grand um, Rapids chapter. Yeah, dartboard. They probably put their blue lights in there uh, and their banners, and they just kind of go town to town and they set it up. Yeah.
1: For for all the concern of Damien Priest uh, having Sami Zayn steal his briefcase, obviously Damien really taking great care of his briefcase, just leaving it there.
0: <laughs> well, listen, it's it's the clubhouse, you know? They got pipes, like like this might be in like a, a boiler room. This is like you uh, just go uh,
1: use an AI setup of a what would a pro wrestling slash motorcycle club have a? Give I us mean, a set.
0: A lot of the motif of the Judgment Day, I mean, is still really um almost like held back from like when Edge was leading the team as this sort of like very dark. I think at one point they suggested supernatural like group. They're nothing like that, really, anymore as characters. They're just like like a, a group of regular people. But the look and and sort of like the motif of of these sort of backstage things is still very much, I guess, of that chains and I don't know vests and shit like that. Purple, a lot
1: of purple. Natalia, Tegan, Knox, Caden, Carter, Katana, Chance, Candice, Lorray, Indy Hartwell, and Maxine and Ivy with Green and Niven on commentary maxine does an arm bar into a hip up sequence with wade comparing her to tiger mask
0: Chance. yeah like and and like i watched this and i was like d- like so you know like the, the japanese cyclone suplex was something that set the internet ablaze okay and and to this point they have not really tried to replicate not only that move but really anything like it
1: dude she hasn't even i don't think she's even done like a match since then is that right really she's been like that was way back. That that was at SummerSlam that yeah. we spoke with her after she had done that. And I mean, if she's done any matches on TV, it's been absolutely minimal.
0: But I thought like they would have continued that and basically like thrown in, you know, Japanese wrestling Easter eggs from the 80s and 90s and all of Maxine's matches from that point forward. I thought this might have been an attempt at, you know, like doing a Sayama headlock takedown type of spot in here. But it also might have just been like something Gable usually does. Dude,
1: not only was this her first match since July 31st, this was her third match ever.
0: Really? Wow.
1: Ever. Okay. Like, for that, like, she is, like, very athletic. Like, I can look at Maxine and, yeah, she's super green, but she absolutely has something. Like, after three matches.
0: Well, clearly, the training's still been going on, even without the performances, right?
1: So. Chance, uh, dude, Chance and Carter did some cool stuff in this match. Mm-hmm. There was an assisted backflip onto Larray, then Carter monkey flips Chance onto Larray in the corner, and they clear the ring. Uh, Maxine does a high cross to everyone on the floor. We get a Tower of Doom launched by Nile, and then Chance does a handspring off the shoulders of Carter onto Natalya Knox, which was spectacular. Awesome, yeah. dude, like Chance and Carter are they have just totally slept on these two. They did the same in NXT and on Raw, too. Like, these two are always really fun to watch on TV.
0: I definitely feel that way. But I think watching them in a match like this, it is so obvious that they're the only real tag team of anybody in this group. They're the only people with, like, tandem offense. They wear the same tights. Um, I guess the only thing they don't have is a joint name. But they're the most, by far, most cohesive tag team in this entire company. And I have to think that they realize that and that they're only saving them for maybe like a bigger mo- moment in a bigger stage. Um, but it was painfully obvious they were the only real team.
1: So Maxine and Nyle are in the ring. Maxine hits the Caterpillar on Knox and then a bridging Northern Lights for a two count. Ivy gets yanked to the floor and Maxine goes to the high cross that Knox reverses getting on top for the win in 11 minutes and 46 seconds. Now I can say like there there were elements that weren't always the smoothest but dude for these 8 that this could have been all over the place given one person in here was in her third match I was like pleasantly surprised by some of the stuff I saw in this match and in particular um Chance and Carter did some really cool stuff like that that uh like handstand off
0: the shoulders was incredible looking very creative yeah very innovative um I not only like you know did they have Maxine be an active part of this match, they made her the focal point of this match, and it, it it really worked. I mean, she is okay. Hear me out here, but she is basically WWE's version of Sting, where I think expectations for her at this stage in her career, meaning at the very beginning of her career, are so low. She can do a high cross, you know, off like the apron, and everybody will go crazy because we don't expect that from her. She can do a Japanese ocean cycle and suplex, and everybody will, will go crazy for it, and it works really well here. You know, they they continue to. I thought they did a great job of building her, and I think her and Ivy are clearly going to be, you know, some a project that they're they're going to be building up for these tag titles. Listen, like they even made fun of their own tag division at the the, the start of the show, and I thought this was a match that um was probably there to start from ground zero and create some actual tag teams that people will be interested in. I felt like they did that with uh, Maxine and Ivy, Uh, Chance and Carter simply through, you know, their offense and they gave Tegan and Natalia the win here. So I think in one match, they did a really good job.
1: Yeah. I would just say with Maxine, like there is no excuse that she should not be doing house shows and wrestling matches. Like there is no reason she should be having her first match since July. In November, like that's right. just nuts. Like she should be on the road it working looks,
0: trios matches. I guess with the Alpha Academy versus totally, you,
1: you know. could do that a uh, hundred percent. Günther finds Kaiser and Vinci, and he applauds the efforts of Vinci, and again picking him over Kaiser, and says, "Maybe I put the wrong person in charge. I thought you could keep up the prestige of this group, Ludwig." And he makes his way out. He's got better, bigger business to attend to than than these two fools. Then we see all the men's tag teams complaining that the women got title shots. So Pierce tells the teams, which are Indus New Day, The Creeds, Imperium, Gargano and Ciampa and Alpha Academy, that they will do a tag team turmoil next week and they all can have a shot to get a tag title match.
0: Yeah, honestly, at the, um, at this stage, I don't know if any either tag team division is really looking so great. And then Pierce runs into Nick Aldis, and they're going to have a
1: conversation. And uh, and this went nowhere.
0: Yeah, I, I guess they they didn't reveal, you know, oh, the,
1: maybe they were going over the split of the uh, the ruffles
0: uh, payouts. So Becky Lynch is a part of the women's um, mm-hmm. war games. She's a raw talent. Yes, and, uh, were they there to, to talk about? That? <laughs> Excuse me, to talk about that or like? Is I don't know. I'm not, I'm
1: not. I'm not completing their their story for them they didn't explain to me why becky's on the smackdown war games
0: match what are they here to talk about like what are the stakes of this you know what what is exactly is the raw versus smackdown of of, of this year's survivors well we were told
1: earlier that no smackdown talent is off limits so for right. some reason these guys could not find anyone on smackdown throughout this three-hour show to agree to do war games with them.
0: i guess the idea was sammy was calling kevin owens and rollins was calling whoever he's friends with
1: Well, and we had Cody with L.A. Knight closing the show on SmackDown.
0: Right, right.
1: I feel all of that needed some kind of explanation. I would have preferred if they said SmackDown's off limits, but then it kind of makes no sense with Becky.
0: Do they have matches?
1: No, none of them have matches at Survivor Series. It was a bit of a hole for me.
0: Maybe Kevin Owens just has like a, you know, kids hockey game or something to go to.
1: Maybe he's still sick. Um, The Miz comes out (laughs) for this face-to-face segment. He says his career is about Respect. Respect for the all the fans and respect for the people in the locker room, but Gunther has a lack of respect for everything that I've done. So out comes Gunther in his uh, go home, go home show loafers, no socks, no socks. It's, it's the go home it's, look for Gunther. Uh, G- gee, this guy is amazing. Yeah,
0: the G G and GQ stands for Gunther.
1: Barrett explains that Miz is more of a character, more of a mic man. <laughs> Gunther clarifies, I do not have a lack of respect for you. In fact, Mike, I have zero respect for you. (laughs) You're just an entertainer. Uh. Miz says, you say that like a negative. I'm proud of being an entertainer. And he does a Randy Savage impression and his other heroes like Rick Rude, Shawn Michaels, and Bret Hart. I fought for 20 years to hold the title that his heroes held, and they are remembered because they aren't a one-note robot like you, Gunther. Gunther says, you amuse me. And he says that, Miz says, I change and adapt and I fall to the bottom and I build myself up. That's what makes an entertainer immortal. And we don't know the real Gunther yet because you haven't hit the bottom of the mountain yet and had to rebuild yourself. And if you don't respect me, I'll beat that respect into you. And then Gunther refers to little Mike Mizanin who got bullied in school then pursued a career in pro wrestling where you still got bullied trying to prove that you belong in the sport, but you don't belong. And now 20 years in, you don't belong. Then you don't belong. Now where you do belong is behind the guardrail with all those other weirdos. (laughs) And the crowd starts chanting USA and Gunther just mocks them thinking you're going to have any effect by yelling three random letters at me. I mean, this guy was just in the zone here and Gunther thinks that Miz hasn't been bullied enough, so he starts shoving him and shoulder-blocking him. And finally, Miz strikes back, gets dropped by a boot, and then when Gunther puts the title in his face, Miz low-blows him and hits the skull-crushing finale. This segment was 98% perfect until Michael Cole had to yell, Do it this Saturday! Do it for all us weirdos, Miz! (laughs) Oh, just shut up. Dude, this was one of the best Miz segments I've ever seen and Gunther was amazing. I I thought this was like maybe the highlight of the whole show for me. I thought these two
0: were excellent. It it really was. I thought the Drew interview was very good, but this I I thought was even better than that. And um, Gunther probably had his best moment on the mic in the WWE in this segment, when this crowd started chanting "USA," and he shut him, she he shut that uh, uh, chant down so well, and exposed this crowd because, for one thing, none of the content of the promo at all, nor the story, has at all been about nationality and yet this crowd decided to chant usa simply because okay this is a foreigner we're going to chant, chant that and gunther shut them down so well because
1: basically called them xenophobic
0: basically yeah the, he exposed this crowd for using xenophobia as their only defense against his very sort of like logically based words um and this was gunther i'm presuming doing this on the spot because i don't think he could have predicted that usa chant no way um so I I thought this showed incredible like mm, improvisational ability from from Gunther on live television, um, and and just excellent, 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 um, delivery here uh, throughout this any of anything he's he's done so far as part of this uh, run, and, and the Miz, I I it's not really unusual that we say you know he might he at least steals the show. Often on the microphone in these sort of segments, um, the match is going to be what it is. It's probably going to be the least um, ex- exciting part of all this, but I thought they achieved something pretty special for, for this in-ring segment. And, you know, he, he he's, I completely feel like he's still very underrated for um, a lot of people who might just simply choose to base his worth off of his in-ring.
1: This was a great segment. Rollins is telling Jay how important it is that he wins tonight. And then Ivar and Valhalla with this dreary music in the background address Bronson Reed. If you put your hand in a wolf's mouth, you will get bitten. I weathered the tsunami and here I stand. You have disrespected the gods. And in one week's time, the earth will shake as Ivar challenges big Bronson Reed. He has disrespected the gods. Shinsuke Nakamura and Chad Gable. Very good match here. Uh, cannonball off the apron by gable sets up the commercial break uh we see nakamura in control breaks out of an ankle lock and then gable lifts him for a razor's edge and flips him over into a slam on his chest which michael cole notes unique offense from angle and then he just moves on and gable hits a swan dive and there's this pause and michael cole goes you know i mentioned kurt angle a moment ago who of course chad gable (laughs) idolized (laughs) <laughs> like, boy, what a cover you didn't you didn't get one past me michael cole he
0: also claimed that he made the candace michelle flub on purpose um during the women's yeah because well. wade
1: brought it up to when uh chelsea green was on commentary yeah but Kinshasa- are, are
0: we at the stage where like michael cole has just like blended his entire career into like you know the present is he li- living in sort of like i don't know one timeline that's just all blended together
1: um we're we're about at that point with uh with michael cole he's mm-hmm. um He's an interesting broadcaster. The Kinshasa gets countered. Gable hits a dragon suplex and then goes for the moonsault, landing on the feet. Kinshasa attempt into the ankle lock, and then uh, Nakamura rolls himself out, and Gable gets sent to the exposed turnbuckle, but stops himself, and it leads to Nakamura just hooking the legs and pinning him in 12 minutes and eight seconds.
0: I thought a very strong TV match. I thought these both these guys looked awesome here, and the announcers, I think, were basically protecting Gable by saying that he was so distracted by the threat of the exposed turnbuckle that he kind of kept his eye off of, you know, the finish. And I I think it's about as good of a way you can protect somebody while giving the other person a pretty clean win. So I think this little detour for Nakamura through Alpha Academy has, has been, you know, a, a pretty good, you know, uh, set of matches. And perhaps as soon as this weekend or definitely by next Monday, we'll find out who his actual target is.
1: Yeah, I mean he's not announced for anything on Saturday. Um we'll go over the card after, but yeah, he's beaten Gable and Otis, though so you would think he's he's moving on from this. He mm-hmm. uh he graduated Alpha Academy. Drew's with the judgment day, doesn't want their help in the match. Priest says we weren't offering any. And Bronson Reed responds to Ivar and his witch lady, and you are not a warrior, you are a cosplayer, and you won't survive the crashing waves of the tsunami or big Bronson Reed. So we're going to get the two big guys next week, the big meat match on raw Rollins and Zane are pumping up Jay and Cody enters and asks them about the fifth member and Zane and Rollins said, no, we uh didn't work out. And they said, what about you? And he says, yeah, my friend is in. Now, my question was, what if it had worked out? What if they each got a verbal commitment for a fifth member?
0: Um, then somebody's going to be getting a pretty disappointing call, I guess.
1: have to put it to a fan vote. So Drew McIntyre and Jay Uso is the main event. Uh, this one went 19 minutes. Uh, Drew is in control uh, as they go through the first break. Rams Jay's back uh, back and forth between the barricade and, and apron. And then Jay comes back in zaguri, toss, gets tossed onto the desk. We go through a second break. And with Drew down, he does the kip up, sets up for the claymore, but is caught by a super kick for a two count. And then as Jay climbs up for the Uso splash, he has knocked off balance, pulled into the center. Future Shock DDT. One, two, three. Drew wins. Um, this was as flat a uh, uh, an ending as you could imagine. And I've got to say for th- this match, 18 minutes and 49 seconds. And, dude, I had very little to say about this. It was a very by-the-numbers match.
0: I thought I felt it was very much building to, you know, like, I think the usual type of back and forth climax we would expect of a of a main event um in, in the modern age um i thought it was like fine i, I actually felt like it, among the jay uso singles matches is probably one of the ones with m- more reaction and more investment for me personally just because of the story in fact i was actually quite surprised that they even gave this match away on tv this way because you know like jay versus drew is something that Drew has been building for quite a while now. Over a year, this has been building. Sure. His, but, his Phantom Run in a clash at the castle. Right. But specifically from, you know, the, the time Jay made his appearance on Raw. So the fact that they not only gave you the match, but gave it to you with an hour and a half's build is very surprising to me and not something I, I certainly would have done, nor would I have done it because I think it kind of takes away from the interaction these two are supposed to have in, in war games. This is the only reason Drew McIntyre wanted to team up with the Judgment Day, so he can get Jey Uso into a cage. And yes, this is a singles match. It's not like being in a cage, but still, I think it takes really does take the edge off of you know that that first interaction that these two could have. So I have a lot of questions about why they decided to book it this way. And especially with the finish too, which um I can understand maybe wanting to get over like the future shock, but I think it's too late for that right now. I don't think people buy it. Nor, and, and I also think Jey Uso at this point kind of deserves uh, like, you know, a a, a a bit of a bigger ending, especially with the story like this.
1: Drew continues the attack as uh, Rhea and the judgment day join him and everyone's beating down Jay. Cody, Zane and Rollins run down with chairs And the crowd starts to chant Randy. And Cody says, Cody had to come up with like, how can I give the most uh, cryptic, obvious promo with every possible Randy Orton reference I can think of? And he says he's glad they have the advantage because we're not alone. We found a fifth member, someone I have a legacy with. You think we're prey? We're all prey? We have the apex predator. And you're not just hearing voices in your head because these people are right. As he throws down the microphone, they they almost got cut off here. They were right at the end of the show. The graphic was up. They were like, dude, get to the go home line here.
0: Uh, I personally feel he probably could have stopped that um, legacy and just kind (laughs) of went off, but they basically wanted to completely spell it out for for you short of saying the letters RKO here. Um, this was not like, you know, Darby saying best in the world. This was like, <laughs> how can we say everything? Hey, w- he's yeah. coming
1: back. Yeah. He's back. Randy Fortin. Yeah, it
0: sounds like uh, Brandel Fortin. Um, I also love the close-ups here of Jey Uso looking very um concerned of, you know.
1: because <laughs> I like that fact because, dude, the bloodline took out Randy. Randy yeah. should not be coming back and being chummy with this dude.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that that's another I mean, I guess maybe that's why they want to extinguish this Drew thing so that he can, you know, tell that sort of um same story with Randy Orton coming up next.
1: So there you have it. Randy Orton uh will be on the Cody Rhodes team taking on the judgment day. And uh and, and that was Raw sending you into Survivor series this coming Saturday.
0: And I think, you know, oh. um as as maybe has been sort of speculated, I mean, they did want to get ahead of um the C M Punk chance, you know. Uh that, that that would have certainly been there if they left this sure. dangling all the way till Saturday. So I think Randy Orton is, is a more than fine sort of like you know, satisfying
1: big Do you think big there's big... any C M Punk chance at the show on Saturday?
0: Yeah, a few, but I don't I don't expect much, honestly. Yeah.
1: I'm not yeah. I'm not expecting any kind of like big wave of you know crowds like you just don't get those crowds that are trying to take over shows and such but the updated card we have five matches which it would not surprise me if they don't add like maybe one more match but i could see just the five based on
0: their war games matches too those are going
1: to be 45 minute matches with entrances and everything that this Mm -hmm. could be it so it's Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, and Randy Orton against Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, and JD McDonough with Drew McIntyre. The women's match is just four-on-four four with Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi, and Becky against Bailey, Asuka, Io Sky, and Kairi Sane. Rhea presented Ripley against- by Ruffles. What's that?
0: Presented by Ruffles.
1: Oh, I'm presented sorry. by Ruffles, yes, uh, to determine who gets the advantage. Rhea Ripley against Zoe Stark for the Women's Championship. The main event, Gunther against The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship, Little Mike Mizanin, and then Carlito against Santos Escobar.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's coming up on Saturday.
0: I mean, the, the the hooks are certainly the War Games matches, and I, I, I have high expectations for the both of them. Um, what else we got here? I mean, Gunther and Miz is sort of like, again, like one of those um, spring break type of matches where you really – kinda of wanna see what they could possibly do. Like the Miz is Dude, sort of he's, on. He's gonna
1: chop the hell out of Miz and he's gonna come to Raw and his he's gonna be disfigured from the chops. <laughs> like I think they're going to just have him and that's going to be like his respect that he gets at least from the audience. Like he gets chopped to death and it's just his whole chest is destroyed
0: and i think he's still on this run where like he's pulling out some like quote unquote surprising moves that we don't usually see from the miz so and maybe a candidate for like a poison rana or a canadian destroyer or something like that from the miz um dude
1: could he, this- could, he could like scale to the top and do an arm drag, and the crowd would be losing their mind like that's Very true a level
0: maybe he's uh the real sting of of a uh, wwe right now might be all right um
1: Let's go over uh, any super chats people want to send in. I forgot to put up a feedback thread, but uh,
0: Muggin did uh, post one for us. So we have a few pieces here. Uh, We got one here from Andy, who sends 200 rupees. Thank you so much, Andy. He says, I'm pleasantly surprised by the way the fans have rallied behind Miz and Orton. Not sure they would have done the same a few years ago. I enjoyed the episode. Some solid wrestling. Glad they handled Drew well. Um, I would say Randy has been like, you know, had like a really great reaction attached to him ever since RKO even or sorry. Uh, what is it? The RK bro. And and even before that, like the moment the RKO meme sort of caught on, like I think fan, there's there's been no like negative reaction to Orton anymore. He's kind of perceived as like a legend in many ways. And
1: he's a big star and he's been gone for a year and a half. So people are, um, you know, it's it's been a long time departure to to see his return and yeah he's and, gonna have to have long-term memory in the sense of the bloodline taking him out but also long-term amnesia because i don't think he's going to be asking the whereabouts of his former partner
0: yeah that's right and how did the the legacy how did legacy split up do you remember It <sighs> not that it matters anymore but they did their wrestlemania match okay yeah against each other it was anyway, a way, yeah um he just beat them uh things turned out for the best, I suppose, at least for two of the members. Well,
1: two two of them, yeah. The the DBOSsies have had some troubles. But you get a Cody and Randy Orton reunion. You do, yes. Because they I mean Randy was gone like almost right into Cody's run. Like it was May, I think, that Randy got taken out and Cody had just come back the, the previous month. So anyway, you've you've got all of that feedback. Uh we start off well with Manny from Pacoima. A solid go-home edition of Raw, Gunther delivered a great promo and and an even better comeback to the random USA chance. Kaiser and Gargano was a good match, though this entire Vinci-Kaiser dynamic is kind of confusing. First, Vinci was in Gunther's bad books, and now it's Kaiser. Given that Gable and Xia both lost their matches tonight, it's definitely a safe bet we're getting new champions tomorrow. I kid, of course. With the entire Raw tag division competing next week, as well as Aldis and Pierce saying they need to talk, can you see them finally splitting up the tag titles, or do they just stay unified? Oh, God, I, I don't need separate tag titles on each show. Definitely not.
0: Yeah, um, it's possible. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put it past them. Now, um, I guess, is there an added benefit? Like, is there a benefit to having the tag titles be the the titles that that somebody can, you know, use to cross the shows? The answer is yes. Like, they, I thought they used it decently well with Sammy and Kevin, I guess, having them appear on both shows. But, they're they're doing the street
1: profits with the Judgment Day on Friday on SmackDown, but I mean they ha- you're right yeah
0: but they haven't I don't know I don't know if they they've been that big of a difference maker versus maybe the ability to be able to build tag team divisions on each show separately I could see them doing that sure uh, let's go fi- finally to Muggin who says a strong go home show with McIntyre's uh sorry McIntyre's new heelish pragmatic attitude three women's matches none of which got shafted for time with Becky versus Zaya standing out the most. Gargano Kaiser was very good. Gunther's promos have improved significantly. And the fifth man reveal for Cody's team made for a hot ending. The look in Jay's eye when he found out that Randy Orton is making his return made for some stellar foreshadowing. He was in the same city of Randy's last match 18 months ago. Oh. He can't find any peace. Oh, there you have it. The mugging. He what? was in the same city or did he get? was he directly involved? Who? Uh, where Randy had his last match.
1: Oh, I, I don't I don't know where he had this last match. I'll, I'll take his word Whatever. for it. Well, there we have it, everybody. Um NXT on Tuesday night, as I mentioned, it's a taped show, but the, the lineup includes uh, two more Iron Survivor Challenge qualifiers with Carmelo Hayes against Josh Briggs, Blair Davenport against Thea Hale, Lyra Valkyria against Zia Lee for the women's title, Noam Dar and Chad Gable for the Heritage Cup, Eddie Thorpe versus Charlie Dempsey, and Umberto and Angel Garza against Idris Anofe. And Malik blade and we have nothing announced for dynamite beyond the start of the continental classic which I would say whether we have like one or two matches I think they have to just go out there and have like two killer matches to just get set the right tone Mm -hmm. and they haven't mentioned anything about time limits either for it's it's three points for a win one point for a draw.
0: I believe. So those are the the point systems. And the winner is the new triple crown champion comprising the ring of honor title, New Japan strong title, and the AEW Continental Championship. Yes. Yes.
1: So there you have it, everybody. We will be back on Wednesday night following Dynamite. And then the Ask Away Mailbag Show Thursday, postwrestlingcafe.com. Get your questions in forum.postwrestling.com or slash post-wrestling and uh, that's going to wrap it up thanks to everybody for tuning in and uh there you go mugging mugging on top of things and uh, we will speak with you later on this week